0: to Jonathan oh. Taylor, Hughes, oh, he's at the 30, he's gonna go, 10, 5, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, made a man miss the line of scrimmage, and then runs it in the Painter, a one-handed INT, are you kidding me, Kenny Moore? What a
1: play by Naheem Hines. Horseshoe is back, baby, the horseshoe is back.
0: What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, this offseason, the Indianapolis Colts had a lot of needs, uh, lots of positions they had to fill. They had to figure out what they were going to do at. Those positions included a quarterback retiring in Phillip Rivers, a left tackle retiring, and also some other positions that we really felt like the Colts needed to address So in this video, we're going to kind of talk about how the Indianapolis Colts address some of their biggest positions of need. I already mentioned a couple of them on the offensive side, quarterback, left tackle, also throwing in edge rusher as well was another big need on the defensive side. And then also, you know, felt like the Colts needed maybe another playmaker at tight end or wide receiver. The Colts elected to bring back T.Y. Hilton, so they really didn't do much at wide receiver. But, Derek, how we're going to do this is we're going to just kind of start on the offensive side, work our way over to the defensive side, and kind of look at the ways that the Indianapolis Colts helped to really solve those biggest positions of need this offseason. So we'll start, obviously, with the quarterback, the most important position in all sports. The Indianapolis Colts, when they traded for a quarterback, they traded for Carson Wentz. They gave away a third-round pick in the 2021 NFL draft and a conditional second-round pick that could turn into a first-round pick, depending on a few stipulations. If you're curious what those stipulations are, I'd be I'd encourage you to look those up. I don't have them right in front of me. But, you know, there's some certain criteria that have to be met there. So, Derek, let's start there with how the Colts address the quarterback position and also drafting a quarterback there in round number six in Sam Ellinger. What are your overall thoughts on how the Colts approach the quarterback position this offseason and how they eventually decided to address it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. They dealt with uh, getting Carson Wentz and obviously drafting Sam Ellinger. You know, Carson Wentz, you know, you kind of feel like, A lot of uh, Frank Reich decision there. Reich probably did see what was going down in Philadelphia and felt that he was able to get under the skin of them uh, and allow Ballard to work his magic. And he felt that he could get the best out of Carson Wentz. And, you know, that's ultimately the biggest question, right, is the ultimate question of this whole season is what kind of Carson Wentz are we going to get? it's been the biggest question and that's going to remain the biggest question throughout the entire year is just what kind of quarterback did we actually get you know i mean it's kind of weird that we're having that conversation right because you know we had philip rivers who the year before he came in had a god awful year god awful year 23 touchdowns 20 interceptions i mean the guy just was a shell of his former self And, you know, ever uh, there were the majority of Colts fans kind of agreed that, you know, that there's a point where, you know, he had a terrible offensive line, coaching staff didn't really help him with running the offense the way he wanted to, you know, it's, it's just kind of weird that, you know, some people forget those things for, uh, for Wentz. It's kind of the weird thing. Like, you know, Wentz has been good every year of his career except this year, and then, you know, everybody's like, oh, I, I wonder if he's actually that good anymore. You know, it's it's kind of weird. It's the same thing as Phillip Rivers. So I can't wait to have more conversations like that with Colts fans when people start questioning Carson Wentz. But in addition with the draft, with getting Ellinger, you know, again, just like what the Colts did with a lot of positions this offseason, have really just shored up the depth. You know, making sure they have extra guys there. Sam Ellinger will be the third and final quarterback, it sounds like, on the roster. And he's going to be the one to battle it out with Eason in training camp and everything else. So, overall, I like what the Colts are doing here with the quarterback position. They got depth. They got the guy who they believe can lead this offense for, you know, five to ten more years down the road. So, I like what we're doing here.
0: I think, you know, purely from a talent standpoint, the Colts definitely got better, right? I mean, you go from a nearly 40-year-old immobile quarterback, as good as he was in that second half of the season for the Colts, yeah. he had a lot of limitations. I mean, we even would say it. Like, you knew he wasn't going to sneak it. He was dealing with that toe injury. Credit him. He fought through that. But you never knew – you knew that Phillip Rivers was never going to be a threat of the ground, right? And the thing with Carson Wentz, now there's questions, like you mentioned, about this past season was a bad season for him. But, I mean, this guy has shown traits – to be, and I can even say it because Colts players have said it, Andrew Luck-like, right, in the way that he physically is gifted and the way that he can extend plays, the way that he can just work some magic and really when there's, you know, making plays when there's really nothing to be made. That's just the type of quarterback that he is, the type of athlete that he is. And, Derek, I think this just opens your offense up so, so much On top in what of you that, can do. I right. do want
1: to ask you, because Lawrence brought this up, he brought this up. How would you feel if the Colts started running a triple option offense oh in the Red zone?
0: Because I mean, now you're surely, a quarterback
1: that you actually have to somewhat yeah. be okay with him moving. I mean, you know, you have Jonathan Taylor on the, on the back end and Hines and Mack on the wings and then Wentz right there in the middle running that triple option offense. I mean, that would – really screw a lot of teams up. I think if we were able to run that in the red zone, (laughs) that could be like an unbelievable red zone opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that just goes to show all the new wrinkles that you can implement into your offense with Carson Wentz now. Like there's so many more things that you can do. I mean, just looking at like some of his film and some of his highlights, like there was a lot of times where I was like, man, Wentz can actually move pretty well. He can actually run pretty well for as big as he is. He's a very mobile quarterback a lot of times. I think that just helps you a lot with what you're able to do on offense and be a lot more unpredictable on offense as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, same way with Sam Ellinger. I mean, honestly, I and somebody brought this up. I can't remember who did. Multiple people have brought this up, but one person brought this up to me first. Like for a scout team, like when you're going against some of those quarterbacks like Allen, Lamar, some of those guys like that, I mean, Ellinger is kind of in that same mold. He's a much of so much of a scrambling quarterback, and you just really didn't have that with Jacob Eason last year, right? As your scout team quarterback, and I think that will help tremendously. Regardless, if he does beat you know beat out Eason for that backup spot, which we kind of were like probably not, but if we're regardless, right. Yeah, he You can use him in those ways to really prepare your defense, I think, a lot better to yeah. face off against some of those quarterbacks. So I like the way that the Colts addressed that. I know at first I, I was funny, Derek. I was looking back at our, I guess, your initial reaction to the Stan Mellinger pick, and you were just like, I don't understand this pick. But yeah, we didn't the more, understand it at first. <laughs> right. The more that Ballard like explains it, the more that like people begin to explain it to me. It makes a lot of sense for what the Colts want to do you know, and have a quarterback. Honestly, you said it, Derek, before have a quarterback that fits more of like Reich's scheme, right? The type of quarterback he likes, like in Carson Wentz. Sam Ellinger has some of those qualities as well in terms of athletic ability. All right, let's move on though to left tackle because this Derek was one of the most heavily debated ones before the draft, during the draft and after the draft. It's amazing, man. If you could do like Kind of have like a scrapbook of like all the tweets from before, during, and after the draft. It'd be almost like a comedy sketch. Yeah. Um, it would. <laughs> and then now signing Eric Fisher, Colts, you know, presumably have their tackle for at least this year, maybe even, you know, going on. Further, because Eric Fisher just turned 30, you did sign him to a one-year deal. You do have Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport, who you did sign in the offseason. You're going to you're gonna think Sam Tevi's probably going to be your starter if Fisher can't go for the first couple of weeks, which based off of everything we've heard, that might, that's probably going to be the case. But you never know with the recovery time. But I, I think I kind of like that, Derek, from a depth standpoint. That was a big issue, right? That was a big issue. We'll, we'll just kind of clump in left tackle and offensive line depth and kind of in the same category. we can got kind of t- talk about both here. But, you know, with left tackle, like I just, just mentioned, and then you bring back Joey Hunt, your center, who filled in a, a little bit when needed last year. Danny Pinter, another year in the system. You signed Chris Reed. So, like, your offensive line depth is looking a lot better than it was last oh offseason. What are your thoughts on, first off, the left tackle position, and then the offensive line depth as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, offensive tackle depth, just like the rest of this offensive line, depth, depth, depth. I mean, I I think Ballard realized, you know, we tried to go a year without the depth at the position. And, you know, later in the season, we were okay because we locked out. You know, we got a couple guys that came in off of the street and they just happened to do very well. I mean, they. For, I mean, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Just It, it was actually Definitely. a real football player, but, I mean, you guys get the memo. But yeah. nevertheless, like, you know, he actually went and said, okay, I can't bank on that this year. I right. have to make sure that right. my line is ready and good to go. Right. And that's great that the Colts have a situation now where if something tra- tragic were to happen – then it's good to at least have a backup plan. At least yes. you have something in place to where, okay, we know who's coming in. We understand how good or bad they are. We know what it is. Like, I think, I think almost every rational Colts fan would tell you, I mean, even Zach Hicks will tell you that he would rather have Sam Tevy blocking than he would have had Loraven Clark or Chaz green blocking. Oh,
0: oh team, yeah. Okay? Oh, so yeah.
1: there's that. And, you know, again, with the Fisher stuff, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Cody. I think a lot of people are actually going to be surprised how quick Eric Fisher's back. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to be quite surprised. Because remember, with the new timeline they did, with the new doctor that came up with a new method on how to treat an Achilles, yep. six to nine months. And nine months is the supposedly right. the long term. For, for this January, kind of from
0: January, you know, when yeah, he did so tear like, it.
1: July slash October. Yeah, and so anywhere be, the wall. In So, what they're thinking is that, you know, he'll come back mid August sometime, you know, get some training in and things like that, start testing it, make sure it's all good. I mean, honestly, if the rehab goes really well and, it, and apparently it goes that way, there is a good possibility this guy might only miss two weeks. He might only right. miss two weeks of the season at the most. I mean, that would be a great thing. Obviously, I'm not going to bank on it. But I know we're all kind of thinking the nine month is the regular thing for it. But getting back to the original argument, I I like that you got Eric Fisher, a guy who can definitely hold his own. He is pretty much – I would say pretty close to a replica when it comes to Anthony Costanzo in a lot of ways. You add the depth, not only at the position, but at all of the positions on the offensive line. So overall, I think this unit as a whole, especially at the left tackle position, so much better than what it was last year.
0: Two things. I forgot to mention Will Holden, who Chris Ballard even mentioned. I don't know if you you listened to uh, Stephen Holder and Zach Kiefer's interview with Chris Ballard. They kind of had him on their podcast. It was, it was really cool insight. But he mentioned Will Holden. He said, we thought he played really well in that Pittsburgh game. So I wouldn't count him out either, you know, to be some potential depth there as well but also yeah you're right you can i think ballard really learned from that pittsburgh game you can't have those two guys being your starting tackles if if nope. something crazy happens like that where one guy's injured one guy goes out because of covid you're screwed right but like mm-hmm. this year say that would happen again for whatever reason say fisher was out say braden smith was out you have sam tevy who can help a lot more, and you have Will Holden. So you feel a little bit better, right, about your depth there of the offensive line, and that's huge. That's absolutely huge for what you want to do on offense, and that, that doesn't limit you either. I think Ballard really has has figured that out. I mean, I would honestly feel comfortable with a lot of these guys stepping in in different roles. Julian Davenport's probably the only one I'm like, eh, no, please. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, Chris Reed, okay, I'm good with him playing a couple games. Danny Pinter played a couple games last year, filled in when needed. I feel fine about that at center. So that just goes to show the depth that, that Ballard has built, and I think that is huge as well. Can't be understated. Um, but let's stick with the offense before we switch over to the defense. We felt like the Indianapolis Colts needed to get better at tight end, right? We felt like they kind of last year with Trey Burton, it was a little bit of a Band-Aid solution, just signing him to that one-year deal. Well, the Colts go out and get a player in very similar in skill set a lot it, with a lot with Trey Burton in terms of the receives more of your receiving tight end. He's a good complement to Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. And we think he has a lot more upside than Trey Burton in this offense, right? I mean, Kylan Granson, we we already talked to him. If you guys haven't checked that out, be sure to check out our interview with him. But, I mean, he's a very confident guy in his abilities, right? Oh, yeah. And he should be because he's very productive at SMU. I think he's going to be thriving this Frank Reich-led offense. And uh, the Colts went out and got a playmaker at tight end, right? They got a receiving threat at tight end. We thought that was the biggest knock, really – at the wide receiver slash tight end position was just a playmaker. And it seems like from all accounts, Kylan Granson could potentially be a guy like that. What are your thoughts on how the Colts address that tight end position with Kylan Granson?
1: Yeah, I I like Kylan Granson a lot. I mean, from that interview that you and I did with him, I mean, good Lord, that dude has a lot of confidence in himself and in his ability. And he said it, I'm excited to get out there, play uh, in the horseshoe, get, get, the ball thrown from Carson Wentz of all Mm -hmm. things, you know, he he's hyped up, man. He's ready to go. And I mean, here's the thing. I, I mean, I know it's rookie mini camp. Obviously there's a lot of guys that show out with their physical abilities at times like that. But, you know, we saw the, with the next pick series and we saw how excited Frank Reich was to get Kylan Granson. I mean, he's been pushing for him. For, uh, for a lot of that draft process. That was Frank Reich's guy, yeah. right? That was one of the few guys that he put on a sheet that said, I want him. And Kylan Granson at the rookie minicamp, man, he showed exactly why Frank Reich felt that way. He uh, supposedly was the was by far and away the best rookie at the camp, and he was balling out. Hmm. And like his routes were amazing. His ability to catch the ball – amazing i mean everyone was just saying wow when you watch this guy play like how really good he looks Mm -hmm. like it's surprising he made it into the fourth round is what they said so wow i mean i i'm really excited to watch this guy and you know like you said we probably aren't bringing trey burton back and that's exactly why we wanted granson you know a receiving tight end he can do a little bit of blocking but he's more there for the receiving that's just what his game is but yep. I mean, he's more athletic than Burton. He's younger than Burton. He doesn't have the injury history that Burton did. so you don't have to necessarily worry too much about that right off the bat. Again, I am like of all, almost all of the rookies that are in here, I think he is one of my favorites and I, I cannot wait. maybe I have uh, maybe I have a slight bias since we got to interview him. maybe he's covering <laughs> off on me a little bit, but uh, nevertheless, I, I am extremely excited to watch this kid play. I think he's going to be one of the few rookies that when he gets into the system right away, he's going to make an immediate impact on Mm -hmm. this offense. So I'm really excited.
0: I'm interested to see how they use him like in the red zone and stuff. Right. Because we know, I mean, he's not obviously not as tall as like a say Eric Ebron or somebody like that, but, I'm interested to see if they utilize him in that red zone a They need bit. to
1: keep using Mo'Ale Cox in the red zone, man. They, yeah. He's six, seven for a reason. Yeah, that's true. the biggest guy on the field. He'll <laughs> use the biggest guy well, on the field. I guess,
0: I guess I'm more interested to see just how they use these tight ends for what the specific purposes are, right? Like, is Grantson more of a, we don't think maybe red zone, but, like, is he? Or are they just going to use him? Like, what are the different ways speed. they're going to use him? he
1: decent speed. He's not slow, but, I mean, you know, I mean, I could see some trickery being used for kind of like what Kansas city likes to do. You know how they like to run those shuffle plays a lot in the red zone. I could see something like that for, for Granson because you know, he's obviously got really good hands.
0: Who knows? We'll have to see. I mean, mean,
1: beauty of it. We don't, we're not Frank Reich. We don't know.
0: I mean, we saw how they use Trey Burton in the red zone sometimes last year, right? They use that kind of the Philly special, the Wildcat, stuff like that. I'm I'm intrigued to see if they do the same thing with Kylan Granson. They might, honestly. That would be really cool and unique to see them just continue to do stuff with a guy like him. So, all right, let's move over to really the last position that we would say was a major need coming in. I mean, some people would say maybe corner, but the Colts kind of addressed it by re-signing Xavier Rhodes and then getting some guys back, kind of running it back at corner. But the biggest one that we would say was definitely the, the edge rush, right? The pass rush at the edge. The Colts really understood that. That clearly was their number one priority is to get better on the edge, especially after that Buffalo game where we said, look, the the, the reason why the Colts lost, you can point to a lot of different reasons, the big reason why the Colts lost was because they couldn't get consistent pressure on Josh Allen. I mean, yeah. they couldn't. They Frankly, they couldn't. And, you know, we, we had some young guys that we kind of liked, but, like, none of them had shown out yet for various reasons. So what does Chris Ballard do? He addresses pass rush in the first two rounds, right? He takes and he takes Dio in rounds one and two. And he honestly thought that that Dio uh, Adangbo could have been a first-round talent as well, right, if he didn't yeah. suffer that injury. So Chris Ballard has really made a statement, I think, this draft. First off with some of the guys that are currently on the roster, like, hey, just because you were a high pick doesn't mean you're guaranteed a spot. And also, we understand you have to get to the quarterback consistently to be, you know, playing in January and even further on. What are your thoughts on how the Colts address the pass rush this off season, especially in the draft? Well, I mean, I've seen a couple Colts fans mention it that
1: you know, due to the fact that the Colts are going to lose one of their potentially lose one of their higher draft picks next year due to the Carson Wentz trade. You know, you you, you double dipped into defensive end because you may not get one next year that you necessarily like, you know, and you, you double dip into it now. So that way it, it puts a little bit more pressure on the guys that have been here for a couple years. You know, I mean, obviously this defensive end group's got a lot of depth at it right now. Which is good. Uh, it'll have even more depth once Dio is actually able to start. They're pretty optimistic he's going to make an appearance at some point in this season. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I would anticipate him probably coming back sometime in October slash November time. I mean, it was about the same time his injury was right at about the same time that Fisher had. It. it was a few weeks later though. Yeah. But nevertheless, I mean, you know, I think both of these guys have great potential to be defensive ends for the future for Indianapolis. I don't necessarily know what all they're going to bring right off the bat. I'll be honest. I don't think Quiddie Pay does much more than what a Danico Autry did for us last year in terms of sack-wise. But I think as in, in terms of longevity, when you look at a Quiddie Paying, you look at a Dio Adangbo, those kinds of guys longevity-wise, they – provide so much great optimistic stuff for you guys because I mean just a guy with pure raw talent and quitty pay and a long athletic freak in dio adangbo I mean it, it's really amazing that we're able to get both of these guys I really hope that they are able to train these guys the way they want to if they do that those are the two uh, two guys at the very beginning that are gonna change this whole franchise around on the defensive side and hearing that Quiddy Pay is gonna most likely get a lot of opportunities on that uh right side with DeForest Buckner is uh nice to hear. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I really like what this defensive end group can provide.
0: Yeah, I mean you said if he you know Danico Watcher production I mean Denico Watcher had eight and a half sacks last year. So if Quiddy Pay can get eight and a half sacks as a rookie, I will take that. But I think with a lot of these positions you may not see, except maybe a couple, right? Like with some of the draft picks that uh, address some of these positions, right away, you may not see much of a difference, right? You may not see much of a difference, but I think for long-term success, this definitely has set you up well for the future, right? At defensive end, at quarterback, at tight end, right? It's really helped you out in a lot of ways, getting younger and getting honestly more talented at this point. So from that standpoint, I think that's why the Colts address these positions of need the way they did because they feel like now their ceiling is a lot higher with these guys than it was with the guys they had last year starting at those positions. So that's kind of our look at the ways that the Colts address some of their positions of need. Let us know in the comments below what you guys think about all the ways the Colts address these positions. Yeah, I think that'll do it for this one, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Colts.